Hello, CityCast listeners. On Fridays, we talk about the week's Houston news. Today, I'm kicking it over with our producer, Carleon Jones, and our cultural contributor, Olivia Flores Alvarez. It is Friday, August 19th, 2022. I'm Lisa Gray, and this is CityCast Houston. Carly and Olivia, let's talk about the news. Carly, what do you think the biggest story is this week? So the biggest story to me this week is that Texas might be colder than normal this winter, and that's according to Farmer's Almanac. So I thought this was crazy because of the summer that we've had so Mm -hmm. far. So to know that we might be going from a crazy summer to a crazy winter is... Oh, crazy. Crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Literally. So um, the Almanac, they've been predicting the weather for farmers and uh, gardeners for over 200 years. Mm -hmm. They predicted that deadly winter storm that happened in 2021 also. So they have some pretty good credit on, you know, if we'll experience this or not. You know, of course, it could always go differently. But so far, it's looking like it's going to be really cold from November, December, and January. Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. So Texans prepare okay Mm -hmm. time to get my blankets and heater Mm -hmm. (laughs) generator (laughs) might need extra yeah yeah olivia what about you what do you think the big story was this week the big story for me this week was that we are not in a monkeypox crisis oh houston Uh is um doing really well in terms of being compared to other Texas cities, Dallas, San Antonio, that sort of thing, and other cities across the country that are, you know, similar size. Wow. Um, Lena Hidalgo, Mayor Sylvester Turner, and all the other city officials are doing really good about getting new vaccines into the city. They've adopted the lower vaccine dose using a new injection method that's stretching what we do have out five times. Mm -hmm. And uh, given that Houston has such a large gay population and such an active yeah. gay population, it's impressive that we aren't uh, seeing more monkeypox spread. Yeah, I would have expected us to be one of the highest right. in the state. And and we're we're on the lower end, thankfully. And, huh. and again, just to be clear, monkeypox is not a gay disease, but it is being spread through contact and intimate intimate contact, skin to skin contact, and now we know uh, human to dog or human to pet contact. So, oh uh, no, yes. So there was a couple in Paris that uh, was active that had active monkeypox. Their dog slept in the bed with them, poor thing, and they uh, they gave it to him. So, given that other cities around the world are going up and up and that now they've made that human to animal leap. Um, I'm just thrilled that Houston is not, you know, number one in the, in the United States and leading in monkeypox. I think we're doing a good job. We're taking all the preventative measures that we can. And mm-hmm. uh, the city's doing a good job of, of getting all of the vaccine that we can. Scarce resource. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's my big news for the week. We aren't number one in monkeypox. Go Houston. <laughs> Yay. So for me, the big news is the fight over Harris County's new elections administrator. Um, the guy who hasn't even taken the job yet. His name is Clifford Tatum. Um, 
Harris County hired him after sort of the last election was a fiasco. And he comes with, you know, a blue chip background for this job that is crazy hard to do. Um, Elections administrators all over the country are resigning or being harassed. And hardly anybody wants to get into it. But Clifford Tatum has a good reputation from working in Washington, D.C. and Georgia. And yet, um, as he is about to start his new job, we found out this week that he has a federal tax lien against him for $100,000. He owes $100,000 in federal taxes. And we found this out because Republican State Senator Paul Betancourt tweeted it out. And I've just got very mixed feelings about this. I mean, I think everybody ought to pay taxes. I want to know more about this. You know, um, Tatum, the new guy, says, you know, he's straightening it out. It's going to be taken care of by the end of the year. He's working with the IRS. I would like to hear that confirmed. But on the other hand, I also feel that Harris County is basically under attack by Republicans who do not want this county's vote to necessarily carry the weight that it should. And I worry that anybody in that job will be attacked for anything. So I've got very mixed feelings about this. And I am worrying about whether we are going to be able to govern ourselves if we can't run elections. That's really difficult, isn't it? Because I want to know, like you said, if people are paying their taxes and, and all of that. But, you know, on the other hand, I've gotten behind on my taxes and yeah. without necessarily being a criminal right, or, you know, bribable or anything. I've got behind on my student loans without being a criminal or bribable or anything. You know, if it's true about a person, it's true about a person, but it doesn't say much more than he owes some money. Yeah. And, you know, I look at the kind of people who are making a fuss about it, and they're the ones who say that Donald Trump won the last presidential election. Right. And, you know, I think Trump is about to host a fundraiser in New Jersey for Ken Paxton, the Texas attorney general who is filing a lawsuit to, you know, say that there was election fraud in that election. And the two of those guys, Donald Trump and Ken Paxton, have this crazy long list of, you know, financial shadiness that is being investigated or for which, you know, Paxton has a long list of indictments. Right. And so, you know, a, a, a tax lien doesn't seem that big in that context. And at the same time, I want to know more about it. Yes, Absolutely. I do want to know more about it. Yes, I know that Donald Trump is being investigated for underreporting assets, overreporting assets to get loans and underreporting assets to pay less taxes and all sorts of things that are different from, hey, I just didn't pay my whole bill. You know, yeah. uh, he was cheating and this guy maybe is, just didn't get to pay his whole bill. So I want to know more about it too, yeah. absolutely. And yeah, that's uh, that's a big story. We need to we need to hear about that, if for no other reason than to be able to defend the guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, to say yeah, he owes some money, right. but this has not happened, and we're okay with that. Or to say yeah, you owe some money, and maybe you shouldn't be in charge of our elections. We need to be have enough information to make that choice. 
Right. But this is such a hard thing to run. We've got to have the right person in there right away. So, hi, yay, yay. All right, let's move on to the story that should have gotten more attention. Carly, what do you think deserved people's attention this week? Well, I don't know if you guys are true crime people, but um, I was watching the news earlier this uh-huh. week, and I saw that Houston authorities are still looking to identify John Houston Doe, which was one of the victims of the 1970s serial killer, the Candyman, here in Houston. Uh-huh. So the reason why this story is um, relevant right now is because it's coming up on the 50th anniversary of this murder. And also, they've been considering to um, let one of the people that lured these um, young boys to the Candyman killer out of prison. Yeah. Why? I'm not really sure, but um, <laughs> they they were considering yeah. this. And so one of the victim's brothers came forth and was trying to, you know, basically get them to reconsider this ruling because, you know, his brother died when he was about 14 or 15 and was one of the first victims. Yeah. But all these years later, there's been 28 victims and one is still not identified. So... It's important, you know, because that kid's family still has to be out here somewhere. Um, someone had to know him. So they're been, they've been releasing uh, compilation pictures again to see if anybody in the public knows who this kid was. Yeah. So if I remember right, um, the guy who might be released from prison was a teenager at the time mm-hmm. of the killings. And yes, he was in this sort of weird club um, of... Mm-hmm. You know, with the killer and a couple of other, you know, a couple of teenagers mm-hmm. would get together and mm-hmm. do these bloody, awful things. Yeah. The guy that they're considering is mm-hmm. Elmer Wayne Henley. Yeah. Yeah. Just hearing that name again after so many years uh, makes me catch my breath. Were you here then, Olivia? Yeah, I was here then. And I was around their yeah. age. Oh. oh, wow. I was just a little younger than the boys were, so... Uh, oh, yeah. You know, there's there's a lot of emotion around this. Yeah, it was all over the Houston news, right? I, I've absolutely. heard of it, but I wasn't here then. Yeah, absolutely. And this was before we were really used to thinking of serial killers, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And these were particularly grisly murders. Um, the kids that he was targeting were seen as throwaway mm-hmm. kids, and the crimes were particularly heinous and yeah, I can see where the family is still not going to be satisfied with how much time he spent in the in jail. Because 50 years is not enough. Yeah, 50 years is not enough. They want his hide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Well, the examiners released some information about the victim, which I'm pretty sure has been released before. But if you know anything, they're still looking. Um, they said that he was either Caucasian or Hispanic with brown hair. He was found wearing multicolored striped swim trucks and a long sleeve khaki colored T-shirt. So um, if anybody knows inf- information, they're still looking to identify him to this day. Wow. All right, Olivia, what do you think should have gotten more attention this week? What should have gotten more attention this week and what should have gotten more attention Mm -hmm. all summer long is the fact that several Texas prisons do not have air conditioning. Oh. And uh, they were built, of course, before air conditioning was standard in all buildings. And, you know, back then schools were built without air conditioning. Some businesses were built without air conditioning. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. uh, 
that they just wanted to build these hot prisons. But these buildings yeah. are so old uh, that they were built without air conditioning. So no air conditioning, just that's point one. Point two is that they were built for a certain number of inmates and they have fallen mm-hmm. past that. So there are more people than there should have been. Along with yeah. point three is the fact that Texas uh, Department of Corrections is severely understaffed. So part of what they want to do uh, when it gets hot in a prison and there's no air conditioning is to take the prisoners out of their cells and let them take more showers or to take the prisoners out of their cells and let them go into common rooms, areas where Mm -hmm. there may be more ventilation. Well, in order to do that, you need adequate staff because you can't move large numbers of prisoners without adequate staff. You have to have guards. It's dangerous for the prisoners and it's dangerous for the staff. Mm -hmm. And so they haven't been being able to be moved into those alternatives. Um, These guys, these men and women who are in prison are not cheerful on a good day. They're in prison, right? They are now being housed in 110, 115 degree rooms, cells. Uh, They aren't being allowed to take showers. They aren't being allowed to move around the facilities. And Mm -hmm. uh, I can imagine that the violence has increased, that the sexual assaults have increased. Disease has increased. Add monkeypox and COVID to that whole situation. And, oh. you know, we are just in a mess. And there have been oh, some yeah. reports about the lack of air conditioning uh, in those buildings and the mm-hmm. lack of staff. Because as if I was coming to be a guard, where would I want to go? Do I want to go to the prison that doesn't have air conditioning or do I want to go to the prison that does? And do you want to be a guard? It doesn't pay a whole lot. And it's an even harder job than before. Uh, it is a very dangerous, very underpaid job. and. Uh, you know, add to that, hey, you're going to be working in a place that doesn't have air conditioning. Yeah, I'm not signing up. Uh, they don't have enough staff to get to a inmate cell if there's a fire. And so reportedly, some inmates have died over the summer, over the last several months of fires being set in their in their cells and them not being able to get out. So a very oh, dangerous situation with them having to be in their cells all day long and then have not having, yeah. staff. you know, we're talking human rights level offenses here. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I just think that's been severely underreported. And now you're telling us that we're going to have a really hijacked winter. And so uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how warm these prisoners are going to be this winter either. Yeah. Oh, wow. I couldn't imagine like I my air went out for a day mm-hmm. and I wanted to cry. So oh. <laughs> I cannot imagine what it would be like every single right. day. Like and these temperatures, like it's been one hundred and nine degrees some days. Like, oh, that is. Yeah, that that is yeah. terrible. I think it's a real yeah. health crisis for those prisoners and those inmates deserve better. I am kind of surprised that it's the federal prisons. You know, this is the kind of thing I expect out of the state of Texas, but usually federal regulations are stricter. Mm-hmm. That is rough. That is very rough. And yeah. awful. All right. So for me, uh, the most overlooked story was sort of a corner of a larger story that was getting some attention. Um, Harris County announced that, you know, violent crime is down. A little bit, 7%. That's nothing to sneeze at. Um, 
still not below or even back to our pre-pandemic standards, but, but you know, they're trying. They're putting money into all sorts of crime prevention and policing. And the corner that I thought was interesting is that they have released this dashboard. It's safeharris.com. And you can go on it and you can see all sorts of things like what's the jail population right now in Harris County and, you know, how badly backed up are the courts. But when I went down the rabbit hole, I found this thing called the hazard map. And if you click on that, you can see on a map of Harris County where all the registered hazards are, according to federal and state authorities. And you can, like, you know, focus in on your neighborhood and see, okay, who has, you know, terrifying flammable chemicals near me? Who has things that would be toxic if they were released into the air? And I think this is something probably everybody ought to check because I was surprised by where a lot of these hazards are. There are a bunch of them, for instance, downtown, in the downtown area. Um, but, you know, they're all over the county and they bear watching, you know, especially since we've seen so many accidental releases. And, you know, if we have another grid outage or a hurricane, then all of these things are terrifying and you want to know where those hazards are likely to be. So I recommend y'all look that up and scare yourselves to death. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> all right. Okay. So now I need some joy. Carly, what is making you happy this week? Okay, this is a pretty heartfelt story that I've seen. Um, the Houston Chronicle ran. A Texas-based student named Jimmy Amizel mm -hmm. was walking um, a, a few years ago. This happened in 2017. But he was walking in Haiti uh, around New Year's, yeah. visiting his family. And uh, there was a crowd of people around a pile of trash. Uh -huh. And when he got over there, he saw that there was a three-month-old baby boy crying, covered in ants, and just Ooh. lying on top of this garbage. Uh -huh. um, and so he picked the baby up, took him to the police station, and they basically gave him guardianship over the child. He had to, you know, think about it at first, but he went back, and now he has custody of the baby boy. His name is Emilio Angel Jeremiah. Uh -huh. And um, so now it's been five years, but the baby is still in Haiti because of all the adoption laws and ex how expensive it also is to do adoption from um, Haiti to the United States. Uh -huh. So um, what is happening now is that Jimmy raised $60,000 uh -huh. from a, a online fundraiser to help him with this adoption. And I thought this oh. was the sweetest story because now they'll be able to be re reunited. And he made so much um, access funds from this that it's going to help with um, his schooling also because he's in college um, in Texas right now. So I just thought this was a really heartfelt story. And it touched me when I seen it the other day. That is really sweet. All right, Olivia, what about you? What has made you happy this week? What has made me happy, and it's going to be making me happy all year long, is Dakamara's uh, season. Dakamara's has their, their uh, jazz mm -hmm. weekend this weekend. Tomorrow afternoon at 3 p.m. is Pedrito Martinez, who is a Cuban 
percussionist, going to be a fabulous show. Uh-huh. And then tomorrow uh-huh. in the evening is going to be Joshua Redman, who is a monster saxophone player. And I have two real oh. quick stories about Joshua Redman. These, the first time that Joshua Redman came to Houston, uh, by the way, Joshua Redman was in law school. And he, for those of you who don't know, he's the son of Dewey Redman, who was a monster sax player. Wow. And uh, Joshua Redman was in law school. And just to kind of prove that, yes, you can pass talent along in your genes. Uh, uh-huh. was not raised with Dewey, so he was not around his father. But he still mm-hmm. have inherited that that talent gene because he was in law school. And he thought, you know, I might take a, a summer off and try to tour and stuff before I, you know, go on ahead and become a lawyer. So he started yeah. touring and just was the splash of the year. Just was phenomenal. And this was in the late night. Oh. And um, he came to Houston on that first year's tour and ended up at the old Cessance on Montrose and did two small uh-huh. shows in uh, that night in Montrose. And so I was at the first show and after the first show, they came, the band came out and was talking to, to some people around the bar and we were saying, hello, and how are you and stuff. And I said, yeah. oh, by oh. the way, have you met Lisette Cobb? She's the daughter of, and Joshua Redman and his friend, the rest of the guys in the band said, Arnett Cobb. <laughs> the Houston uh, <laughs> saxophone, he is such a, such a historic uh-huh. and legendary uh, musician. You would have thought I had introduced these guys to Santa Claus on Christmas. <laughs> they were so happy. And they, they, you know, they completely ignored the rest of us and went right on to Lisette. And your dad's 19 blah, blah, blah session with so-and-so uh-huh. was on the bass. And, was, you know, and they did this whole big thing. And they were like, we saw his albums in Japan. And they had this set list and that mm-hmm. set list. It was so nice to see young, young men who were so educated about their art form. Lisette yeah. was thrilled. Arnett Cobb was in the 50s and 60s, 70s. And these kids were here in the night in the late 90s uh, with just, you know, encyclopedic knowledge about the, this, this Houston musician. It was wonderful. And um, oh. I got to interview Joshua Redmond several years later. And it's interesting to me that he's playing with Pedrito Martinez. Uh, mm-hmm. He's on at three and Joshua Redmond's on at 730. And when I talked to Joshua, uh, somehow or another, we got onto the topic of salsa musicians. Mm-hmm. All of that Afro-Latin, uh, Afro-Cuban music is very mixed. And so it's a hard thing to try to say, okay, this is salsa music. This is Latin jazz. This is this, this is this. It's very mixed up. Yeah. So Perito uh, yeah. is a Latin jazz musician, but there's a lot of salsa overlap. And so I was talking to Joshua Redmond several years ago, and he said, you know, we think we are cool as jazz musicians because we play until two o'clock at some nightclub and then we hang around, uh-huh. we jam, we talk, we drink, we go home four or five o'clock in the morning. We think we're good. We're cool. Salseros play a, play a, a show. They get off and then they sit around, they jam, they drink, they talk. They get home at four or five the next afternoon. Okay, these guys are hardcore. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm pretty sure that Pedrito is going to be off the stage by the uh-huh. time 7.30 comes along. But if he's not, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. <laughs> he's guys still jamming and hanging out. Uh, the camera's got yeah. a great season. They've got uh, 
Branford Marcellus, who is another uh, oh. second generation musician. His dad is Ellis Marcellus, uh-huh. who's part of the whole New Orleans uh, Marcellus clan. They've got lots of other great folks that are coming in and they are just putting on the most spectacular season music wise. Um, and I'm just thrilled that this is kind of kicking it off with, with these powerhouse musicians this weekend. Um, I know that tickets are still available. So if you have never seen Joshua Redmond, please, mm-hmm. it will change your life. If you've never seen Pedrito Martinez and you think you can't dance, please do. You will prove yourself wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you will be dancing in your, in, your, in your seat. Absolutely. These guys are monsters and they are a little too old to be called young lions anymore. But they yeah. really, really still got a roar. They connect that older generation to the next one. Yeah. These guys are great. So oh. it's a great show this weekend. It's going to be a great season all year long for Decamera. Oh, it sounds so good. Sounds fun. Yeah. All right. Olivia, mine is so much less classy than yours. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's kind of about music. Um, so... This week, Megan the Stallion, mm-hmm. who's from Houston, Houston girl, <laughs> uh, co-hosted The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. And among other things that she did was she introduced Fallon to the hot Cheeto inside a pickle, which she mm. says is a an only in Houston thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have y'all ever had one of these? I have not. Yeah. Uh, y- Yes. Yeah. I don't know if I put it inside of the pickle. Uh-huh. I think I've had it like with the pickle sliced up kind of. On the side as a garnish for the hot Cheeto. Yeah. <laughs> and you just kind of put it together. Yeah. No, I have not uh-huh. tried the hot Cheeto with the pickle. Although I admit to eating both, just not at the same time. So, <laughs> no. so Jimmy Fallon has yeah. taken something we have not. Yeah. As I always say, don't knock it till you try it. A little spice and sour. I was good. thinking, like, <laughs> all that salt, it might be good at helping you on a hot day, avoid passing out. But but also, you might ruin your blood pressure. I don't know which direction that takes me. But It makes me think of uh, the Kool-Aid pickles that I was, I was telling Lisa about one time. Oh, my God. Um, uh-huh. I feel like that's a Texas thing, too, honestly. Like, they soak pickles in Kool-Aid and, like, they turn colors and everything. I've never had one of those, though, but I've seen them before. But I just always was like, ugh, like. Yeah, that's in the same I, family. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. I really have to go now. I have pickles and Kool-Aid in my kitchen. <laughs> um, go try yeah, it out. Checking out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. And the pickle juice raspas, you know, the uh-huh. snow cones yes, yes. flavored oh, yeah. with pickle juice. Yeah. I mean, those are, those I see all over the place in Houston. And, you know, y'all, I don't get those either. But all right. See, we call them piccadillies where I'm from. They put the pickle inside of the snow cone, like the actual pieces. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. 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 I don't know. It Didn't is. try that either. Okay. <laughs> well, all right. I will. I will screw up my courage and go look for it. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody has to try it. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Y'all, this has been fun. Thank you so much. That was Carleon Jones and Olivia Flores Alvarez. That is it for our show this week. Our lead producer 
is Dina Kasba. Our producer is Carleon Jones. Brooke Lewis writes the CityCast Houston newsletter. Our theme music is by All the Kimonos. And I am your host, Lisa Gray. Have a great weekend. We will be back on Monday. I'm in a junk room and because uh, it's the only quiet room, my neighbor decided to to blow all his leaves this morning. Oh, come back of course they did. The <laughs> and this particular room has a phone in it and I forgot. I'm so sorry. Just oh. No, it's fine.